the Summer Memories series, the heart behind it is after we get to the fall, you always have these moments of you know, some fond memories of the summer, things that you kind of remember that bring a smile to your face, and you always got a story to tell. And that, that's kind of what we're doing in the midst of this series, is we're talking about the story of Meadowland, and just what God is doing in and through uh, Meadowland, what God has done, and how by faith we just want to continue to take the next step in our journey as a church together, and really help each other take our own next steps in our journey with God. We're at a uh, a very significant transitional time when you stop to think about um, all the different potential transitions a church could go through. Uh, transitioning from one lead pastor to another lead pastor is probably one of the, the largest uh, a church can go through. And uh, this kind of transition has been known to um, just kind of really uh, stall momentum or even shut down some churches depending on how, uh, on how it's handled. And so I'm just so thankful uh, for the, the leadership teams here at Meadowland just to be able to put this together in a way that really feels seamless to me and, and hopefully to you as well. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for Adam, who's now our, our church planning ninja. We call him that because he's here with us, but you won't see him after July. He'll be out in Belvedere and uh, be planting a church out there. But he's our church planning pastor. And um, I'm just so thankful for him and his heart to really want to leave well and really honor Meadowland and all that he's doing. And so I'd encourage you uh, to continue to put this out there in the month of July while they're still around. <coughs> Excuse me. Just to share with both Adam and Audrey just how, how you've seen God use their faithfulness um, play out in this church and even in your life personally. And maybe share some of those stories of life change and uh, what you've seen God do and encourage him in that. If you want more information about Redemption Church, the church that Adam is going to go plant, you want to know more of that story, maybe why Belvedere, why they feel called to go out uh, to that town, and some of the, the story around that, there are informational packets at the back of the table. I would uh, encourage you just to grab one of those on your way out and read through that. Need some more details there. And uh, we've also been talking, each week we mentioned this, that for those who have been wanting to bless Adam uh, personally and, and his family uh, and want to maybe give a monetary gift and you weren't sure where or how to do that, uh, we're having our summer bash and baptisms on the 27th. Now, that really is the best place to do that. One of the things we haven't shared before, though, is that there is a, uh, I believe, a $36,000 match grant. Um, so for every dollar that's donated to Redemption Church, uh, Converge Mid-America, it's an association of churches that we are proud to be a part of. They've helped us in, in many ways and supported us and, and stepped in to offer different kinds of support. And um, they're basically, uh, for every dollar that's given uh, through Converge Mid-America, they will match that up to $36,000. And so if you have wanted to bless Adam and his family uh, and you want to take advantage of the opportunity on the 27th but weren't sure how to do that, one way is you can make it the check out to Converge Mid-America, and then it doubles it, and it goes towards Redemption Church. Um, if you want to do it differently, you're more than welcome to, uh, whether Redemption Church or even directly to Adam and his family. Like I said, all that info is in that back packet. And then if you any questions you may still have, uh, you can contact Adam. His contact info should be in there as well. And so I want to turn your attention to that. And we're just we're so thankful for how Adam is going about this and, and how he's uh, leaving well. We want to honor him in that. Uh, by just sending them off well. And so again, take time uh, the rest of this month to say goodbye to Adam and Audrey. The story also continues here. You know, this isn't the end of a book, but this is a, a turning to a new chapter. And so you may be asking, Steve, what do we do here? What, what's part of our story? You know, what can I do to be a part of that? And, and I really want you to know that we invite everyone to be a part of the story here at Meadowland. Even if this is your first time here uh, this Sunday or you know, kind of in this month, you've been checking out over the summer, but wanting to see who we are as a church, I would encourage you to do maybe one of these three things. 
First, I would encourage you to come early uh, and join with us in, in the ministry to those who are visiting and, and checking out Meadowland. Uh, if you want to know when an, uh, a guest comes uh, to Meadowland, typically it's about 10, 15 minutes before service. They just want to kind of see what, you know, what it's like, get a feel of the place. Um, and if you want to know those that call Meadowland home, maybe been here for a while, when they typically come, a lot of times maybe it's five minutes after service. And this is not a conversation on being on time because I'm with you. If I wasn't up here preaching, I'd probably be the guy, oh, crowd, got to get the church, you know, be a little, be, be a little bit late. This isn't a, a conversation on, on time. This is an invitation to ministry. Because um, honestly, I'm just glad you're here, uh, that we can worship together and give God glory. And so really thankful uh, to be able to be together as the body of Christ. Uh, but if you're saying, what can I do? How can I be a part of the story? I'd invite you to join with us in ministry. And one of the ways you can do that is by uh, coming early and uh, looking for those you don't know, whether they're a first timer or not, and introducing yourself and greeting them, helping them feel welcome and loved, and uh, just kind of get to know them a little bit and share your story, share Meadowland's story as well. And so that's one way you can get plugged in. I'd also encourage you, if you're asking, what can I do to be part of this, this next chapter? Uh, volunteer to serve. There are all kinds of different ministries and opportunities that we have where you can get plugged into a, a, a ministry and serve and volunteer. Um, we will find a spot that, that fits well for you and how you're wired and, and what you're passionate about. And so that's one way I would encourage you to step in and get involved. If you are uh, already serving, maybe consider leaning in and, and taking that next step, whether it's going from a, a once a month volunteering to twice a month, or if it's going from... Uh, you know, serving within a certain ministry with a limited level of responsibility to take a step in and say, hey, you know, can I take on a little more? Can I help in another way? Um, so we consider that as a possibility. And the third thing I, I would encourage you to think about, about how we can press on and continue in this mission of seeing lives change and disciples made um, is, is by sharing your story uh, of what God is doing in and through you and your family. And uh, if you'd be willing to share your story, we'd love to videotape those, and we'll put those up uh, on the screen in the weeks and months to come, of just kind of being able to celebrate what God is doing in and through this church. And so just a few ideas, if you're asking, hey, how can I be a part of this story here at Meadowland? Well, as we enter into this next chapter at Meadowland, one of the things I want to affirm for you, and, and this is part of what the series is meant to do as well, is that we want to affirm for you that the vision and the values of Meadowland are not changing. Just because as, as a new lead pastor and myself, it um, doesn't change the vision and the values. We're still um, about seeing lives changed and disciples made. We saw last week that we still value found people, find people. We, we unpacked that a little bit, and we asked this question of, if it's true that found people find people, those who have a relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior will then go and share Jesus or introduce Jesus to other people. If that's true that found people find people, then why don't we find people? There's times in our life where we find ourselves maybe not doing that, and we unpacked that a little bit, and uh, just a few little reminders from last week. Hopefully you found freedom. We, we talked about how our, our role, we confuse our role from God's role. Our role is the finding. Jesus' role is the saving. I, I, I can't save someone's life. I don't have the power to do that on a, on a spiritual level. That's between them and God. But I can introduce someone to Jesus. I can share Jesus uh, with them. I can say, hey, here's what God's doing in my life. I can say, why don't you come up to my church and hear about Jesus there. And that's something we can all do. And so hopefully that's very freeing for you. I actually had a conversation with someone this week where they said, yeah, you know, once I kind of realized that, it took all the pressure off. You know, how they respond is more between them and God. Our, our role is simply to go and find people and introduce them to Jesus or bring them into a place, an environment where they can do that. I also hope that you were encouraged uh, as we looked a little bit about this concept of, of living by faith. 
He said, you know, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, then that makes what he says significant. He claimed to be God and proved himself to be God in the resurrection, in overcoming death and rising from the grave. So that, if we truly believe that to be true, it has implications on our life. And hopefully that was an encouragement to you to say, okay, if I'm going to live by faith, let me live in a way that acknowledges that Jesus is God and that he did rise from the grave. That's a little bit about the story piece of Summer Memories. We're going to continue on that story this week, looking at um, growing people change. But before we do that, uh, I do want to acknowledge we're also doing a little kind of fond memories by having some memory verses, some things that just kind of help us as we think about these values that we can walk through. And so last week's memory verse was Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I know Laura already kind of shared this a little bit. Um, what I'd like to do is we'll start over here on the left. Laura, if you want to stand up and just recite your memory verse, and we'll just go all the way through the rows and kind of come on up around the way. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. I, I don't start on the left. I start on the right. So we'll start over here. Libby, if you want to stand. Okay. We're not going to do that. Um, if, if this is something that you want to do to do the memory verses, we would encourage that. We would enjoy doing this with you. Um, if you want to take it home and do it with your families as well, uh, if you want to modify it, you know, shorten it a little bit for little ones, uh, if you want to shorten it for yourself because your little ones already have the full thing memorized, however you want to do that, that's fine. If you have zero interest in memorizing uh, these, these Bible verses, um, you know, we're just glad you're here. You know, we're glad you're here uh, on your journey, and uh, we'll encourage uh, you to just kind of continue to walk. Uh, give us the opportunity to walk with you in your journey with Jesus. But what I'd like to do is just kind of read again real quick as a reminder. So it's going to come up on the screen there if you want to read it with me. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I, I, I confess the first service I was reading with them because I didn't want to do just that. You know, they got that little extra thought of, okay, I got it memorized, but you're missing it. So we can keep working on those, but that's... Romans 1.16, and then we'll have one here this week as well. So this week we're jumping into growing people change. Growing people change. We have to first kind of acknowledge where that comes from, and ultimately where that comes from is this concept that living things, health, healthy things, grow. And when something that's alive and something that, that, that is healthy is growing, it's going to bring about change. And think about the turning of the seasons when you go from the winter into the spring and spring into summer. You see signs of life, uh, things that are growing and, and producing fruit. You see little buds uh, starting to, to pop out on the branches, and they, they become leaves, and then the fruit just begins to flower, and then you see the fruit that's being uh, hanging from the trees. We can't see it as much, but we also know it happens that roots spread out, and they go wider and, and deeper, and, and really secure a plant or a tree where it stands. And, and there's this growth that happens, and as there's this growth, the thing changes, whatever that is we're talking about. And so it's more looking specifically at people, at us, how we change. Dead things, on the other hand, decay and diminish. You've never seen a dead tree bearing fruit, but just the opposite, where it shrinks and shrivels and decays and breaks down. So when you think about this, growing people change, what's your initial emotional reaction to that? Yeah, I think there's probably two different ways that most of us are responding, and maybe even both at the same time. But when we think about this statement of growing people change, okay, this is a value of our church. One of the things that's going to help drive us in all that we do is we proclaim the name of Jesus. But then growing people change, it might elicit some fear. You might, might be kind of scared, like, well, I'm going to have to face some things in my life, and I'm not, 
not really crazy about change and you know to, to change requires that we have to face some of the ugly parts of, of our lives and you know growth requires work sometimes you know, maybe you have a garden and you remember okay well, i had to till the soil i had to plant the, the plants i had to weed and then i had to tend to the plants and then i had to weed and then i had to water and then i had to weed and weed and weed and you kind of see what, I mean, there's work that goes in to, to seeing things grow and sometimes there's a pruning process where things are cut off or removed so there's room for new things to grow in, but that can be painful sometimes. So maybe as you think of change, you just don't like change. It's just something, no, I, I just got everything the way I want it. Well, now, now we're, we're in transition in our church. There's change there. I'm in transition at work. Or I'm in transition at home. and I, No more change. No more change. You know, maybe that's something that, that, that frightens you or you're just tired of. Maybe some fear there. On the other hand, and on the other end of the spectrum, maybe there's some excitement. You know, because even though, yes, you have to face some, some of the you know, ugly parts of yourself, like, I need to change, I, I see that one way and say, you know, there are parts of me that I don't like that. I'm excited to see change. I'm excited to see ways that I can grow. Uh, I actually saw one of these this week where um, I was having a conversation with one of my little girls, and um, in the way that I, I said something, I was probably a little too quick, a little too strict, and I could just see in her face, her face just kind of melted. You know, I, I felt like I just kind of crushed her spirit by the way I spoke to her. And um, I was just uh, wrecked inside. I'm like, you know, I had to apologize to her and, 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 you know, seek her forgiveness. And be like, you know what? I didn't mean for my words to hurt you like that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that, that, that I said that in a way that left you feeling that way. Those are parts of me I want, I want to change. I, I want to never have that happen. And so, you know, just being able to really uh, uh, always use my words in a way that are encouraging and, and uplifting and be able to see that before it happens sometimes. You know, so I get excited to think, okay, there's change. There's all these different ways we can, we can see change happen. I look forward to the fruit that can come from change, that can come from growth. I really I want to see that life change happens when, when God redeems our lives for his glory and for our good. See, when life change happens in the life of a follower of Christ, God's name is glorified. Say, God, look what you've done. This is amazing. This is a beautiful thing. But it's also for our good. Our, our, our relationships with others are, are strengthened. Our perspective on life it, it, it is tweaked in a way that, that gives us a better outlook. We're encouraged to keep going and pursuing Jesus. So I don't know where you're at. You can turn and tell your neighbor if you like. You don't have to, but um, maybe it's a little bit of fear. Maybe it's a little excitement. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, but there's two things I also want you to consider as we continue to walk this road of growing things change. And um, it really, as we're looking at the sense of, of spiritual growth, ultimately. First one is this, that growth needs to be wide. It needs to be wide. If you think about a tree, Think about its root base. You can't always see, um, but it's under there. It's in the ground. And uh, typically, a tree's canopy is also kind of roughly where their, their root structure goes out. And that tree needs uh, those roots to go all the way out as wide as they can. And if it doesn't, a storm comes by, and, and that, that root structure isn't wide enough to really be a stable base for the tree. The storm will come, and that tree will topple over. Well, in the same way in our own lives, we need to, to let growth involve all the areas of our life from one end to the other. It's not something we're going to say, okay, just, you know, let's grow over here, let's maybe a little over here. When you think about it physically, when you're growing up, you didn't say, left leg, you can grow all you want, right leg, we're going to deal with you later. No, everything grew together. There was this sense where you allow, you know, physically everything to grow together. 
So spiritually, we need to take that same step where it's just uh, uh, everything needs to be addressed in the sense of growth. If we stay too narrow, um, you know, the, the tree could snap and fall. Growth needs to be wide. Growth also needs to be deep. Again, think of the tree. If, if those roots go out very wide, even past the, 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 the canopy of the tree, but they're just right along the surface, I mean, a slight wind in this thing could fall right over. It's not stable. It's not rooted in anything. And so as we look at that analogy and apply it to, okay, so what does growth look like in my own life? It, it needs to go deep into our lives. It can't just be the shallow surface aspects of our lives. We can't simply just change our life by saying, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing these things. I'm going to start doing these things without dealing with the heart, without dealing with the mind. We, we need to let change be a part of who we are at the core and go deep down in there. You see, there are beliefs, there are passions, emotions, values, convictions, all these other aspects of your life where we've yet to surrender to God. Somewhere in all those things, there's aspects, parts of who we are where we have not given over to God and said, all right, I submit this to you for growth. You know, I'll hold it before you with an open hand. There's still some things we hold on tightly. Maybe, if you're not sure what those things are, do you ever, yourself, ever hear yourself saying things like, well, that's just who I am, when someone pushes you on it? Well, that's, 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 that's just how I am. That's, that's how my family is. That's just how we talk to each other. I know it's not really healthy or whatnot, but it's just, it's just how we talk to each other. Well, that's just how God made me. You ever hear that one? Usually when someone says that, it's because they're, they're talking to you like a jerk. You say, well, you're kind of being a jerk. Well, I'm, I'm telling the truth. It's just how God made me. I'm just being truthful with you. It's like, well, we see in Scripture, we're called to tell the truth out of love. And so it's, it's just an excuse. And so if you hear yourself saying that about parts of your life, that might be some of those areas where you're, you're holding on tightly. You say, no, this is just, I'm going to hold on to this. No, we're not going to do spiritual growth over here. If it's an area of our life, we need to, to surrender to God and say, is there a change that you want to do here? I absolutely love this quote from uh, John Piper. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. It's a sense that God, you know, his love for us is there. And we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. There's also this refining process that God wants to take us through. And I absolutely love the picture of refining. You take this precious metal full of impurities, and you put it in this cauldron, and you put it to flame, and you heat it up, and it burns out the impurities. And you've got to imagine, you know, if impurities had a sense of feeling that would hurt, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to get those impurities out. But the more pure the precious metal becomes, the more it reflects the image of the refiner. That when the refiner looks into it, he can see his own reflex, reflection looking back at him. And so as God is, is refining us, we submit to him and say, all right, you can change all these aspects of my life or affirm them. That those impurities are, are burnt out. And that we grow and we change and we become to look more and more like Jesus. Sometimes there are things that uh, we're just afraid to present to Jesus. We're afraid how he might change them. One of these examples of my own life was something I didn't even really realize had snuck in. I kind of bought in to this American dream as I was growing up um, in my life. And not so much the I want to have the, the house of the white picket fence, but just an understanding of what success was. You know, I just kind of assumed, okay, I'll be the, the top of my field, whatever field that was, and, you know, I'll make X amount of money to be able to go do all, all these different things. And, 
know, God led me in some different directions, and I, I had to kind of hold that before him, my understanding of success. And all of a sudden, I began to realize, okay, as I hold that before God, that there's some tweaks I see him making. All of a sudden, I, I begin to understand the priority isn't so much how much I can make, but how I steward it and how I use it for God's glory. And all of a sudden, it's not so much about just being the best at my job, but what is that doing to honor God with what I'm doing? Is it something that's honoring Him? And I really had to kind of put that before God and submit my view of success before Him. Just some other questions we're thinking about as far as trying to figure out what aspects of our life is God maybe saying, hey, you know what, here's some areas we need to grow in. We need to see some change in these aspects of your life. Have you submitted your political, ethical, and religious beliefs to Jesus? Think about that one. Have you submitted your political, ethical, and religious beliefs before Jesus? You may say, hey, God, here's what I think about these things. Help me to see your stance on them and be affirmed in that. Okay, yeah, this is after your heart. You may see, oh, this is is one of those areas I need to grow in. I've been passionate about this, but God's over here. We... We, you know, I've got to figure out his heart on this and bring about some change. Would you consider something for a moment? Just entertain some thoughts for me. If God is God and we are not, this would mean then that we still have some things to learn about life, right? If God's God and we're not, it's probably safe to assume we've we got some stuff that we need to figure out. And if we have some stuff we need to figure out, it's probably safe to assume we don't have it all together. We don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly how everything works. There's still ways that we're all growing, no matter how young or how old we are. See, I I would go as far to say there are things you believe to be true that God would say, no, that's not true. There's things that I believe, somewhere in my understanding of the world and of life, that I would say, this is true, and God would say, no, no, we need to grow in this area. I would say both you and I have things in our life that we place a great significant value on. We say, this is something worthy of praise. This is, this is something nice and shiny. And God says, that really has lesser value than you're putting on it. I think you and I have things in our lives where we've kind of become emotionally cold and non-responsive to. And yet the things that, that break the heart of God, that will lead God to weep over. I think there are some things that we entertain ourselves with that we call good. Like I would say, no, there's no good in this. This is actually evil. Oh no, this is nothing wrong. This is, this is good. We don't need to worry about this over here, God. We don't need to change it. There's ways that, we, that we're going against God. There's ways that we've got it wrong. And you know what? To, to fool ourselves and to think that we have it all figured out, honestly what we're doing in there is we're putting ourselves in the place of God, Right? I got it all figured out. I know how it all goes. Uh, you know, okay, well then God, what would God's response be to that? As opposed to approaching him saying, yeah, I'm trying. I, I think I got some stuff figured out. You know, help, help me to kind of keep walking this road, God. 
And this whole concept of, of growing people change is, is continually presenting ourselves before God and acknowledging that He is God and we are not. And there's areas of our lives, no matter how long we've been walking with God or how briefly we've been walking with God, no matter how um, energetic and adventurous your, your beginning years of giving your life to God or just you know, life change after life change after life change or how, how maybe over time just little changes here and there, doesn't matter. There, there are areas of our life where we don't have it figured out. There's areas of our life that we need to submit to God and ask Him to change. We need to grow. We need to change because we're wrong about something. Well, I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them, you're wrong. And if you're sitting next to a spouse or whatnot, I mean, it's okay. you got permission. You can tell them, you're wrong about something. There's something you're wrong about. I'll turn the other way and tell the other neighbor and all that. You're wrong, you're wrong about something. Not turn and tell me, Steve, you're, you're wrong about something. Yeah, yeah, we're all wrong about some stuff. Now this I'm not wrong about. This, the fact that we're all wrong about something, that, that, that I got. I thought I was wrong once, but I was just mistaken. Um, this is the part of, of growing up, is this understanding where we need to see change. And that growth is allowing that to happen. This is a part of growing up both physically and spiritually. Living people grow. We, we learn things and we make adjustments. We see change that happens. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. Each one of us here needs to grow up in some way. You know, even to write that, I was like, ooh, that, that kind of hurts. You need to grow up. I'm a grown man. I've got a wife and kids and I, you know, you need to grow up. And this concept of growing people change, yeah, each one of us here needs to grow up in, in, in one way or another. We're all broken and hurting people. And here's one of the things I love. We're all broken and hurting people. And in Jesus, we, we trust in him for salvation. Scripture would say that we are holy and righteous. Not you're going to be, but you're holy and righteous in Jesus. And yet there's this paradox going on where we're holy and righteous in Jesus, and yet Jesus is going through this process of making us holy and righteous. And so this concept of growing things change is acknowledging this is who God says we are and God's doing the work through Jesus to, to bring us there each and every day. And so we need to submit ourselves before him. So let's unpack this a little more and get into God's word. If you've got your Bibles with you, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. If you need a Bible, grab one from the seat in front of you. Um, you can even call that your own, take it home, highlight it up as Laura said. You'll bust out a digital Bible on a smartphone or a tablet. Um, you can follow on the screen too, however you want. We just want the Word of God in front of you, in your hands for you to take home. And so if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, you put your Bible on your head like Laura said, and go, I'm just kidding, you don't have to do that. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 4, I guess it'll also be on the screen. You can follow along that way. Some quick context here for Ephesians. Uh, this is from the Apostle Paul, and, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and um, there's reason to believe that this is, is a letter that goes uh, just in, to the church in general. It's not specifically to the Jews in the church, to the Gentiles in the church, because a couple of times Paul really unpacks this, you're one in Christ. And so it's going to the church in Ephesus, and the first kind of three chapters, he unpacks some things about how uh, we're united with God through Christ Jesus, and then how we're uh, reconciled with one another in the church, and then how we're called to go out and, and uh, share Jesus with others. And you kind of see different perspectives on that, uh, kind of unpacking some theology there in, in Ephesians uh, 1 through 3. And you get to Ephesians 4 through 6, 
and it really kind of gets down to some nuts and bolts, and it gets real practical as far as, okay, here's what it looks like to live out this, this life of, of following Jesus. And so we're going to look here in Ephesians 4, 17. We're trying to say, okay, so if growing people change, what does that look like? How does that come about? Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. We've got to pause there real quick. Gentiles, basically, they would have understood that what, what Paul is saying there is those that, that live apart from God. Now, yes, there's some Gentiles at this time who have trusted in Jesus. A Gentile, basically, is a non-Jew. Uh, and so it's, some have trusted in Jesus a, as their Lord and Savior, and so they're walking with God uh, through Jesus in, in that sense. Um, but in that culture, they would still have understood the Jews are, are the people of God, where God's story is told from. We see that in the Old Testament, and, and culminating in the story of Jesus, who is through the line of the Jews. And the Gentiles are all the non-Jews. And so when they say, um, no longer walk in the ways as the Gentiles do, no longer do we walk in the ways of being without God. We should also find a little bit of hope in that line there, no longer. It's this acknowledgement that there's a process. There's some things going on we need to stop. There's some things going on we need to change. But it's a process that God is working in our lives. All right, let's go back to the text here. Ephesians four seventeen. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Catch this part real quick because I'll come back to it. Due to the hardness of heart. Due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So we see this picture of here's what it looks like when you're walking without God. You're living life without God. I think this is a good warning for us as we unpack this to see, okay, so what are some of the signs that I'm not submitting myself to God? I'm not allowing myself to walk this road of spiritual growth, which will lead to life change. So we see that it's a hard heart. All this is in verse 18 there is due to a hard heart, not being humble and being willing to acknowledge our need for change. An unwillingness to, to be conformed to what God is trying to do in our lives. It's like clay that's already hard and brittle instead of clay that's soft and moldable. So there's a hard heart, and that hard heart we see in verse 18, uh, it leads to ignorance. Because of the ignorance that, that is in them is due to their hardness of heart where that ignorance comes from. And so because of a hardness of heart, there's information that we're lacking. So we, we show God a hard heart, uh, we miss out on some information, and that leads to a darkened understanding. Uh, one way to think about this, it's like looking at a map that doesn't have a legend. We can see the map, but we, there's, there's pieces we can't understand because there's no legend to tell us here's what this means. We have blind spots in our understanding of life because of that hardness of heart that leads to ignorance, which leads to darkened understanding, ultimately to a place where we are alienated from God. That's important to point out here, this alienation from God. This isn't God abandoning us. This is us turning from God. This is us turning from God. You ever, as a child, um, even as an adult, that's fine too if that's the case, but as a child, you ever receive a gift that has some assembly required? And maybe some of you guys maybe hate assembling things, maybe some of you that love, just for the sake of the argument, pretend you love to assemble things. And so you get this gift that some assembly required, and you just want to take it and just put it together and enjoy whatever the gift was. And all of a sudden your dad comes over and he's like, okay, well, here's the instructions. We need to put this here. And sometimes kids just have that, I just want to do it myself. And you just grab the instructions and you turn and you kind of go into your corner with all your pieces and you, know, you kind of turn from your dad who's wanting to help you put this together 
who, who knew how to read the instructions and understood how it all went together. But we, oh no, I got it, I got to do it myself. Well, some we realize, oh, I'm not sure how to read the instructions. There's no words, just a bunch of pictures. And so we kind of take pieces and we stick them all together and all of a sudden, you know, what was supposed to be a playhouse looks kind of like a bicycle. We don't know how we got there, but we just kind of made a mess of things and there's a need for growth and change. And so it's not that the father has alienated the child, but the child's going to turn around to realize the father's still there waiting to help. And so to live a life without God, in essence, alienates ourselves from God as we turn and say, I don't need you, I can do it myself. And so eventually this hard heart towards God builds up a calloused heart. A calloused heart. We don't feel anymore, so it leads to what you see there in verse 19, uh, a pursuit of whatever feels good. Well, you know, whatever's going you know, to get through that callous heart to, to feel something, all right, that's going to feel good. Uh, uh, a greediness to practice every kind of impurity. It's like, I'm going to do whatever now. Hey, my, my uh, project didn't come together. I'll just stick whatever anywhere, just kind of put that together. I got something, I don't know what it is, I'm going to go play with it and see what happens. Kind of fool ourselves into thinking, oh, this is something I did it myself. And it's like, it's kind of a mess. We have a humble heart, a soft heart, and walk with God. Let's keep reading here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. So here's how the Gentiles did it. That's not the way you learned Christ. Uh, assuming that you've heard about him. We've got to pause here real quick. Paul's like, hey, here's how the Gentiles did it when they were uh, apart from God. That's not, how, that's not how, you, how you heard about Christ. Assuming you've heard about him, right? And it's kind of a little bit of a rhetorical question because he, he, he's in the, the, you know, over halfway through his letter here. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he talks about, here's what it means to follow Jesus. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. Absolutely love that. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's saying, you know, let's unpack this. How, how, have we, how did we learn about Christ? It wasn't anything we did. It was, it was a gift, an undeserved gift, because there was grace involved. This is God's workmanship, not ours. You say, okay, well, Steve, it says, uh, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And so, uh, don't I get some credit there because I put my faith in God? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. That's like saying, hey, I received my birthday present. Don't I get some credit for my birthday present? I received it. Well, no, it was given to you by your crazy Aunt Sally. So go thank her, even though she's a little crazy. Not sure how we ended up over there. Let's come back. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, so it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. So this is God's workman, workmanship. He's, he's working in our lives. All right, so, uh, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Verse, going back to verse 20 here. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. As the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So basically, you know, there's this, okay, you can live as the Gentiles do, apart from God, and here's where that's going to take you. 
Or in the way that you learned Christ, where you knew that, that God worked in you, that's how you can go about life. And here's what that's going to look like. It's going to look like this kind of three-step process of taking off, putting off, and actually the, the connotation there it is the same thing as clothes. Take off these dirty old clothes that you've made a mess of and, and get rid of those, take those off. And then there's this middle step over here of, of being renewed. And then we need to put back on the, the, this, these new clothes created by God. And so it's that three-step process. And uh, this middle one is, is a challenge. We're going to unpack that in a bit. But we need to put off the old and put on the new. To really understand this, I want to have a verse-verse-verse battle. I think it'll make a little sense when it comes up on the screen here. It, it's a verse versus a verse battle. And I'm just going to basically it's a parallel between two verses, verse 22 and verse 24, but it sounds way cooler to say a verse versus verse battle. So that's what we're going to do. Pick your side, see who's going to win. Verse 22, verse verse 24. In verse 22, we see the old self and kind of what that looks like. And then verse 24 talks about the new self. Verse 22, the old self is connected to the old way of life, right? Whereas in verse 24, the connection is what? It's right up there. To God, there you go. So we have... The old self is connected to our old life and our old way of doing things ourselves. But the, the, the new life, the new self, is connected to God. All right, next observation here. Verse 22, this old self is corrupted by our, our, our deceitful desires. By our own, our own mess, we've corrupted this old life. Whereas the new self, it, it's created in what? God's righteousness and holiness. Awesome. You guys are good at this. In verse 22, we see that the old self is, is based on deceit, uh, on lies and misunderstandings. Well, whereas in, in verse 24, we see the new self is based on what? It's based on truth. We can actually bump it back into verse 21 a little bit to add a little backup here for verse 24, that the truth is in Jesus. John 14, 6, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the key to all this, how to change from the old to the new, the key that kind of brings this all about where we see growing people change is that verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Be renewed in the spirit of our minds with the truth that is Jesus. That's how that renewing process comes. It is this submission of everything to Jesus. So last week we kind of wrapped up talking about how the righteous live by faith. And, and so if we're going to trust that Jesus was who he said he was and, and prove that in the sense where we rose from the dead, uh, defeating death and ascending to heaven, okay, so we, we believe you're God so that has implications for our life. And so I'm going to live by faith, faith in the fact that I believe Jesus came to this earth being fully God and fully man, lived his life, and we, we see his ministry as recorded in, in the Bible, and then went to the cross, laid down his life, was dead, buried, resurrected, overcame death, and ascended back into heaven. If we believe that's true, that has implications for our life. In the same sense, if we believe that Jesus is truth, that truth is in Jesus, that Jesus establishes what's true, that Jesus decides what is true, if Jesus says, Steve, it's true that your shirt is blue, I now have a blue shirt, because he establishes what is true. If we believe that, we live by faith in that, we submit everything to Jesus, to what he says, to what he commands 
to what he affirms. And so where we see an affirmation of the Old Testament in the ministry of Jesus, it's an affirmation that there's value in the Old Testament as well in the teachings of Jesus. We, we seek to find the heart of God, and we see that in Jesus. Then we hold those things, every aspect, both deep and wide, before God and say, all right, God, is this something, you know, is this in line with where you're at? So you're saying, Steve, do I need to throw everything before God? Yeah, I think we do. What about convictions? You know, even, even my whole conviction to go to Jesus, isn't that, you know, aren't those good things? That I would say, yes. Convictions are a good thing if we've held them before God and said, all right, where's the truth in this? And where it's affirmed to stand on that. And where not, we need to change because growing things change. So what have you held back? What beliefs have you yet to test against the truth of Jesus? Think about some of your past conversations or things you're, you're passionate about or, or sides of an argument that you would defend. Have you really thought through that and put that before Jesus and said, hey, what do you think about this, God? What's your take on this? And if you did, what do you say? And did you bring a lot of that change to take place in your life? Did you put off your old understanding, be renewed by holding it before Jesus in submission, and then put on what you saw Jesus' heart was? Were you willing to go through that process? I'll give you a few examples, and then we're going to wrap up. There's examples of this change, of this taking off and putting on and the renewing that kind of helps bring about that, that changed life. Kind of hit on four changes. Like I said, you can go through all of you know, Ephesians 4 through 6, all kinds of great practical application. And we're just going to hit on, on a, four, a few of them here in the latter half of Ephesians chapter 4. The first one we find in verse 25. I would argue that we need to change our handling of truth. The way we handle truth, we need to change that. It's one of those things we need to hold before God. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put away falsehood. This is kind of reminiscent of the road we've already walked. We need to put away the old self, because the old self was corrupted by deceitful desires, right? By falsehood, by lies, by lack of integrity. We need to take that off, put that aside. We need to stand upon the truth of Jesus because Jesus establishes the truth and we, we believe that through faith because the righteous will live by faith. And this renewing piece is, okay, we, we begin to say, Jesus, what is your heart towards the truth? Towards integrity. And this could be a whole series in and of itself. We're not going to do that right now, but uh, you, you see a little bit there. You can speak the truth with his neighbor we are members one of another so you can begin to say okay god am i being truthful with my neighbors and those my community those i do life with those i'm sitting next to at work at home at church or do i have an agenda that i'm not sharing in my conversation in my interaction with them am i being truthful am i willing to bend the truth a little bit just a little thinking i could just shave off a little of my integrity and sell that piece not realizing that you can't shave your integrity. It's an all-or-nothing thing. So are, are we holding our concept of truth before God saying, all right, help me to see your heart. Help me to put off the old, to put aside falsehood, renew my understanding of what is true, and help me to put that on and wear that as I walk in this life. 
And yes, when we slip up, when we make mistakes, when we go back to filthy, dirty rags, there, there's grace, there's forgiveness, and we are restored in Jesus. But growing things change. Living things grow and growing things change. Another example, we need to change our response to our emotions. We need to change our response to our emotions. We're going to see this in verse 26 and 27. But first, I need you to kind of focus in on the word response almost more than emotion. I know emotion is the capital bolded one. Um, but motions are neutral, technically, if you think about it. It's like a, a gauge in your car. If you go to, you know, you leave church today and all of a sudden your gas gauge says, hey, you're out of gas. It doesn't matter how angry you get at the gas gauge. It's just telling you, hey, goofball, you're out of gas. It's not the gauge's fault that you're out of gas. It's not happy about it. It's not sad about it. It's just saying you're out of gas. It's neutral in the whole situation. Our emotions are neutral. They're just saying, hey, there's something going on. But it's our response to those emotions that would argue we need to hold before God in submission. That's where there might be a need for change. Let's look at this. 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Wait, did he just say be angry? The Bible says to be, man, there's things I've apologized for I can take back. You know, that, that's fine, I can be angry. Well, again, pause, we've got we to keep reading here. Be angry and do not sin. Okay, so it's saying the motion of anger is okay, but my response needs to be one of not sinning. So I need to put off a sinful anger. Where it, an anger that moves me to sin, either in the way I speak to others or treat others or think of others or the way I, I respond by just you know, blowing a top and, and causing all kinds of damage in my wake. I need to put that off and you have this renewal process and, and see you know, what is the way that God would call me to deal with anger appropriately and I can put on righteous anger either through a, a proper handling of that emotion or seeing, God, what makes you angry? Help me to feel that way about the things that you're angry about. Help me to be overjoyed by the things you're overjoyed by. It's like a kid putting on his dad's coat saying, I want to be like my dad. Or putting on her mom's shoes saying, I want to be like mom. We're putting on who our God is saying, that's what I want to be like. As I grow, I want to become like God. So we need to change our response. This, I believe this applies to all of our emotions as we hold that response before God, what do I need to take off, How, renew my understanding, and what do I need to put on? We need to change our approach to work. This one, I, I love it. It's real straightforward. Uh, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We need to change our approach to work. Initially, you have the thief here who's stealing because he wants something. Put that off. Move to this place where now you're working to get something. You no longer steal, you should work. Okay, so now I'm, I'm working to get what I want. But this renewal process continues and we continue to understand God's heart and say, God isn't just a God who wants to see our provisions met. God is a God who wants us to be generous, just like he's a generous God. And so now there's a, a shift from stealing to have to working to have, and now we're at working to give. Isn't that a beautiful transition? 
That God would take us from our old, messed up, broken self, where we're willing to cut corners, willing to steal, take something that's not ours, and that's not just breaking into homes when no one's looking and grabbing something and throwing it in our pocket. That could be changing numbers on tax forms. That could be uh, backdating checks just to uh, have something favor our way and, and cut little corners here and there. There's all kinds of different ways that we can steal. And we have this old self. We can take that off and put on this new self that God has made of, here is a heart of generosity. And here's my heart on these things, and it's for you in your life. I want to bring about that change. Man, that's beautiful. Love life change. Growing things change, and we need to change our use of our words. This is the fourth one, last one we're going to hit on here this morning. We need to change our use of words. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouth. So what we need to take off are the words that rot, are the words that tear down, are the words that after we say them, sit in someone's ears and, and kind of just slowly beat them down and, and degrade them and that they're left feeling lesser than they are. They're left feeling like, not, not like who God says they are, but they've been beaten down. So that's, that's the self we need to put off. Just like you take off a shirt, put it off, and be done with it. And then maybe the next, trend, next step towards that uh, of being renewed is we put on silence. Okay? I'm not going to use my words like that. I'm going to use silence. But as we continue to walk that road of, of being renewed, as we, as we continue to hold our words before God, say, God, help me to use my words in a way that honors you, that you could use, and you could glor- that would bring you glory and be for my good. He says, okay, we're going to take off the, these words uh, that, that bring decay and rot. We're going to put on silence. You want me to keep working on you. Let's, let's put words back in the picture, words that build up, words that are full of grace and love and mercy. Again, what a beautiful picture to go from being able to tear someone down with our words to being able to change a a person's day and outlook on things and and give them hope that is found in in the grace of God with those same words just after they've been submitted to God. He's taken off the dirty rags and put on a new self and done a work in us for His glory and our good. Growing people change. I want to think of that tree we started with. How it's deeper, it needs to go uh, wide, it needs to go deep. and um, You can go out and look at that tree every day. You may not see any growth. Maybe it has fruit growing. Okay, you can see the fruit growing in the season. But the tree in and of itself, you wouldn't really see much of, a, of, of growth. You go out there next year and every day take a peek at it. and Maybe there'd be some things along the side of you know, the house. You compare it to the house. Okay, I see it's taking a big jump there. Well, it didn't just grow a foot overnight. A little bit at a time. Growing things change. Just a little bit at a time. I would encourage you, each morning as you're getting dressed, as whatever you sleep in, as you're taking that off, almost have this mindset of taking off the old self like you would your pajamas or whatever you slept in. And so what are the things that you need to take off that don't bring God glory, that, that, that aren't of His Word. And as you put your clothes on for the day, think of, okay, what are the things that, that God has, has done, that God is doing that I need to put on? 
And God, how, renew this aspect of my life. Whatever's on your heart, just pick one thing. God, renew this. Help me understand this. Help me to see how I can go your way in whatever this is, whether it be a, a viewpoint, a, a passion, a conviction, a belief, an action, a use of words, of emotions, or a response to emotion, whatever it be. Put that one thing before the Lord. Each day, if you do that, you may not see the growth each day, but trust me, living things grow and growing things change. And a changed life is a beautiful thing. Our memory verse here for this week is Colossians 3.17. And I pray this is an encouragement to you as you go through this process of taking off the old and putting on the new. Remember this. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you for the life change that you bring about. We thank you that does bring glory to your name. Uh, We thank you that does uh, bring about good in our lives, Father God. Help us to uh, see the, the, the corners of our life where we're holding back, where there's things that we're not submitting before you, where we haven't presented to you to say, God, what part of this do you want to change? What part is not in line with, with Jesus, uh, the, the one who uh, establishes truth? Help us to walk by faith. When all of a sudden we learn something, uh, uh, that, that Jesus will say, this is true, this is right, this is just, and, and it's something that's hard to accept. And it's something that's contrary to what we thought, what we understood, what we originally believed. Help us, Father, to to walk by faith and to trust in you, Lord Jesus, and to go your way. And I pray as we wake up each morning, we we take off our pajamas and put on the clothes for the day, that we'd be reminded uh, of Ephesians 4. Be reminded of this process of taking off the old that's corrupted by our deceitful desires. Putting on the new which is established in true holiness and righteousness because of you, Father. Now we just go out and each day that we would, whatever we do that day, we would do it for you, Father. And we would be confident that it brings you joy because we'll have done the work of submitting that to you and saying, what's your heart in this, Jesus? And reveal that to us. Help us to see and help us to follow and to go. Thank you, God. Pray us all in your name. Amen.